0: hi i'm jay thomas and welcome to bald tires a proud member of the saskatchewan podcast network on today's episode my guest is a guy who's been involved in the car community in saskatchewan and especially saskatoon for a very long time and if you've been at a car show this summer in the saskatoon area you probably ran into him gary grischuk joins me to talk about cars and you know what he's got a pretty cool online presence he calls himself gary the gear And does a lot of cool videos on his YouTube channel as well. Go check it out. Today we're talking about how Gary became a car guy. uh, How Gary got into the career he's in, which is partly automotive industry as well. And most importantly, how this past summer, we think, has been the best year ever for car shows around the province. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. You're listening to Bald Tires. Because when you make great memories, you make bald tires. The Saskatchewan Podcast Network is supported by Conexus. Wellness, however you define it, is achievable. You don't even need to figure it all out yourself. Talk to Connexus. They'll give you guidance, motivation, and the push you need to reach your goals. They've got you. They're your financial partner, and they know you can achieve your very best, your financial best. Prove them right. Start right at Connexus Credit Union. The Saskatchewan Podcast Network is also supported by Direct West. Is marketing getting in the way of running your business? Things like updating your Google listing or headlines for your billboard, making sure your website is in good shape? That's where Direct West comes in. You can get local expert marketing help for your business at directwest.com. So I've made my way over to a cool garage with a Chevelle up on a lift. That pretty much says it all. I'm here with Gary Grischuk. Gary, thank you for joining me on the podcast.
1: Well, thanks for having me, Jay. Yeah, this I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm a faithful follower of... Jay thomas auto oh,
0: that's nice of you to say that's cool well, well you know i've also been following you and if, for anybody's listening check out all of gary's uh very cool videos on youtube and your channel you call yourself gary the gear right yeah yeah i mean you know we end up at a lot of car shows together uh you're doing walkarounds and checking out stuff and, and you've done some really cool videos too comparing comparing and contrasting some cars as well haven't you
1: yeah yeah it's been a lot of fun my my channel is kind of raw uh everything's basic basic and raw and unedited but I'm having a lot of fun with it it's just uh you know I graduated from a cell phone everybody can start with a cell phone it's pretty easy to start a YouTube channel yeah and I bought myself a GoPro I stepped up just a little bit yeah but I haven't learned how to edit or any of that fine stuff I've gotta I gotta get better at you know, learning how to do that stuff, but I'm having fun. It's just, it's, it's been a phenomenal season this year.
0: Absolutely. Uh, for anybody who's just joining us, I mean, Gary and I both belong to the Shifters Club in Saskatoon. Uh, yeah. Gary, you're one of the, have you been a dragon or are you still a dragon right now?
1: I'm a retired dragon.
0: You're a retired dragon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So a former Dragons member as well. You know and uh, we're we're always at, at car shows together it seems like every couple weeks or every weekend and that sort of thing so yeah yeah I thought, it's been a lot of fun i thought let's just sit down and, and talk cars so um you know what i, I kind of start this sort of same way with with all my guests but i, I love finding out how people became car guys because i think everybody's got their own story when it comes to that sort of thing Oh wow! you, you know uh if you if we go back to young little gary you know what what, uh, what turns you into the car guy you are? You know, you, you work in the automotive industry right now, and we'll get to that a little later, but take me back. What, what started um, it all?
1: I, for me, it goes way back. Yeah? I can remember being four years old okay. and being first turned on to cars, uh, specifically muscle cars. Uh, I was born in 63, so, you know, I was only a few years old, and I, you know, muscle cars really excited me. Uh, and they were all over and, and, you know, it was something you saw on a daily basis. And I got really excited about cars. And one thing I noticed about me that was a little different from the other kids, uh, you know, you're, you you get an allowance when you're a kid, you know, and this is gonna, well, I guess I've already dated myself. So (laughs) I think my dad gave me 25 cents a week to cut the lawn and, you know, mow the lawn and take out the garbage and do all the household chores and then if you're really lucky, you got a buck from the neighbor for cutting their lawn. But anyways, <laughs> yeah. you know most of the kids they'd run down to the local convection, you know, the local corner store, yeah, and they would fill their pockets with candy and baseball cards and things like that. But I used to buy hot rod magazines. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah, there was uh, this one little store in Yorkton, Saskatchewan, where I grew up. It was called Kenny's Lucky Dollar. And he used to sell these hot rod magazines, and they didn't have the covers on them. I don't know how they, you know, how the guy got them. Or, but anyways, they were super cheap, twenty five cents an issue. So I could buy, you know, three four issues from this guy, <laughs> and I did that weekly. Yeah. And uh, then later on, there was uh, another magazine called Cartoons. I don't know if you've ever seen yep, it. Yeah. 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 Super cool little magazine, and it was seventy five cents an issue back. When I started buying it and I just filled my room with hot rod magazines and books. And I think that's where I learned a lot of stuff was just reading all those magazines all those years. And I still, I still read magazines today. I still subscribe to hot rod magazine, of course, uh, Canadian classics and muscle cars and and all that sort of stuff. It's, I, I still do it today.
0: Were you a hot wheels kid?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I had a big collection of Hot Wheels. Uh, I was fortunate enough. My mother would go to the grocery store back in those days. They were called Matchbox cars, and then later on, it was uh, Hot Wheels. And yep. I was really turned on to them with the red line wheels and yeah. all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, I had a huge collection of those for sure.
0: My, uh, we actually, my family still has it to this day. My, my dad had three brothers, so he was one of four boys, and and. I don't know what year it would have been. It would have been in the '60s. Uh, my dad was born in 1960, so he was the last one. So, uh-huh. but I know that my grandparents bought the four boys um, some Hot Wheels stuff, and it's actually still in our family today. And we have the original orange track set that, and you remember those clamps you used to screw under the back of a chair, and cool, that's how yeah. you'd launch him, right? Absolutely. And then we have the the interchanger, and it's like a, it looks like a, a race hut, but it's got you put these big D cell batteries in the bottom of it yeah. and one track goes on the top of it through it this way. And the other track goes kind of 90 degrees on the bottom through it. There's these big rubber wheels yeah, that spin car. <laughs> Yeah. And, and you've got a little dial you turn it on with and you can make it go faster and faster, faster. Yeah. And I think it made, it made a figure eight, you know, kind of through the top and around the bottom and it would, they would just keep going. You could actually set it up that you'd yeah. fire one in and it would just keep, it would keep
1: shooting it through. I, I did own one of those. Yeah? Okay. <laughs> I did.
0: We, we still have
1: it. You like do.
0: my, now it's my nephews. Like it's like the third generation playing with those oh, Hot Wheels toys. Cool. Yeah. That's cool. There's not a lot of the original cars left. A lot of them got, you know, pretty... pretty beat up but yeah Yeah. but we still have the machine so it just made me think of that you know that's neat i think there's a lot of guys who who started with hot wheels right you know they're into stuff like you know this chevelle that we're sitting next to and they've got classic cars and they started with the hot wheels right
1: yeah one of my favorites was a a 60 uh 68 firebird and I ended up buying one of those damn cars later. <laughs> later in life, I ended up owning one, and it was just it was a car that I was really fascinated with, that body style.
0: Did you ever get into building models? Was that ever a oh, thing yeah. for you? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I loved models. I uh, built a lot of models as a kid, and then my son, I got him into building models, and he really loved it too.
0: You know, I think I like, I would put myself in the same category as being in love with cars really early on. And it was anything I could do to do something around a car, you know, like whether it was a Hot Wheel, you know, building models certainly wasn't being able to drive one, but at least it was a car thing, yeah. you know? Yeah, it was, you had your hands on it. Yeah. What, what was, uh, what were some of the family vehicles you guys had? Like, was that ever an inspiration? Oh, was, did your dad have any cool cars or?
1: Not really. The only one, the, the one that bothers me the most, he actually won a car when I was, uh, oh, I was Probably 12 years old. He won one at the... It was the Yorkton Exhibition. It wow. was a 67, 67 Impala Convertible SS. Oh. And he immediately sold it. Oh, no. That was a terrible heartbreaker. Oh. It was blue with a white interior and a white top. I remember the car, and I never got to ride in it. And... Other than that, no, he was not into my, uh, the family vehicles were not uh, exciting vehicles by no means. No? No.
0: <laughs> did you have your, did you have your hands uh, on them though? Were you working on stuff at a young age at yeah. all? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, uh, I worked on mom and dad's cars before I could drive. Yep. And I actually, my first car I bought when I was 15 and couldn't actually drive it sure. until- I was 16, but yeah, I, it's, you know, parked it in the backyard and, and I would, you know, play around with it and learn things. And, uh, and yeah, it was just lots of fun.
0: Okay. So what was it?
1: It was a 68 Ford Fairlane 500. Oh, cool. Yeah. It had aluminum slots on it. Uh, 302, four barrel automatic car, uh, white vinyl top, white interior, and it was gold exterior. It was a neat car. I ended up, uh, killing that car a few years later. Though. <laughs> uh, got into a bad accident with it and, oh, and no. destroyed it. But uh, yeah, that was my first car.
0: Is that what you took like for your road test when you got your license?
1: No, the first car I got a road test in was, uh, I believe it was a 79 Dodge Monaco. It was my mother's car. Okay,
0: yeah. Yeah. Still pretty big at 79, weren't they?
1: Uh, this one was not, not a super big no, car. No, okay. It not... Probably not much bigger than a Chevelle. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. it was uh, it was a nice car, 318, silver with blue interior. It was a really nice car. Uh, but yeah, for a while there, my dad, he went through a string of Fords, and then, then he got into the Dodges. Uh, and then later in life, he got into the GMs. And uh, I think they're driving Hondas now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he was never really loyal. I was kind of, uh, you know, I had the Ford, and I liked the Ford, Uh, but then I really had, I got turned on to the Chevys. I don't know where or how, but then I became a GM guy and and it's been GMs ever since for me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I noticed I noticed in there, in your driveway park, you know, park in my car. I'm like, Oh, look at that Chevy, Chevy, Chevy. Yeah. Okay. You're a GM guy. Yeah. There's
1: a few of them out there, all GMs. And yeah, I, I don't know what it is. I've always had a fascination for, for GM stuff, but anyway, cool
0: so uh you grew up in yorkton yeah and did you you're we're we're here in saskatoon talking so you know were you in yorkton for a long time or did you take off after high school sort of thing Uh,
1: i moved here in 1989 i basically it's kind of funny i did three things i had a girlfriend that was that moved here with me and she had family here so that was the whole purpose of moving and and we had been together for a number of years and decided to make the move together and I did three things when I moved to Saskatoon. First, I obviously secured a job, secured employment. And then we uh, found a place to live. And the very next thing I did, uh, I joined the SDRA here. That was, I just wanted to go drag racing in the worst way. Oh, cool. I got in a lot of trouble street racing back in Yorkton. <laughs> and uh, when I got here, I just wanted to be a member of that track, that that organization, and, uh, and yeah, play around at the drag strip. I, I did that for about eight years. Really? Yeah. A lot of fun. Cool. A lot cool. of fun.
0: Cool. So you've been here since the late 80s. So, okay, G- give me a gimme you must. So you just you just caught my attention. You got into a little bit of trouble with some street racing in yeah. Yorkton. Give me the best race you ever had. Oh, Lay it gosh. out for us. There must be one that stands out in your mind that you went, oh, that was a good race.
1: Ah. Uh, yeah, I man, they were all they were all lots of fun. <laughs> what, did you, what did
0: you drive for more? Like what, what did you own at that point? I owned
1: a '70 Monte Carlo, and I had that car for over 20 years. Uh, that car was a lot of fun, and I didn't. I finally sold that car when we built this house that you're in today. Yeah, yeah, really. Yeah, that that car, I finally got, let that car go. Wow
0: that's yeah. a long time
1: yeah yeah well there's guys that have had cars longer but 20 years for was a long time for me anyway and yeah i had a lot of fun with that car uh like i say drag raced it at uh, sar for the better part of eight years and uh had a lot of fun with it and then towards the end of my whole drag racing career i started you know the car got progressively faster and faster and I uh, started to break parts in it. Uh, I think <laughs> on average, I get about 11 runs out of an axle and uh, I kept breaking axles and it got expensive. So I had to, you know, retire from that for a while, but uh, I'm really hoping that the Chevelle can make its way out there. Maybe next year. Really? I do have some plans for that. Oh, that's
0: cool. Okay, so you know, I guess we'll we'll tell everybody what we're looking at here because we're sitting underneath it, right? Or just about underneath it. It's on on Gary's list in the garage next to us. Sixty what? Six or seven? Sixty-eight. Sixty-eight. Okay. Yeah. Chevelle, an SS or not?
1: It's not a numbers matching SS car. It's actually a one three six car. Uh, a one three eight would be an actual SS. Uh, this one is actually a clone. So it started life as a 307 two-speed power glide buckets console car. And uh, when I got it, it was halfway cloned. And I just kind of took it the rest of the way. It had a 383 stroker in it. And with all the big block badging, I knew that I had to have a big block in Mm -hmm. there. So Mm -hmm. I bought a GM crate engine for it. It's a 454HO. And uh, it does have a you know 12-volt differential and a turbo 400 transmission and, and all the things that kind of complete the SS package now. Uh, but, yeah, this one's been a lot of fun. It's it's kind of a dream car for me to have this thing.
0: Well, it's beautiful. Was it in this kind of shape when you got it?
1: Uh, nearly. It's nearly... Well, I, I have changed a lot of stuff. Uh, I have painted the bottom half of the car. Okay. The top half was painted when I bought it. It was fairly fresh. Uh, the vinyl top was on it. It's a black vinyl top. Uh, the interior was new. Uh, I've basically just changed for the most part, all the mechanicals of the car, uh, the drivetrain suspension, steering, and all that sort of thing is all by me.
0: Yeah. Wow. So it was, I mean, the, the body work stuff was kind of finished for you beforehand from the previous owner and for the most part yeah,
1: yeah i did the block uh lower portion
0: but at least you didn't have a whole car to re- you didn't re- have to rebuild it from the ground up that Correct. sort of thing yeah yeah, yeah that's that pretty nice
1: really actually quite it has good bones it uh it has its original floors and trunk and oh, wow all, all the body panels with the exception of the right rear quarter panel are original to the car oh uh which is Kind of unusual. This this one apparently, now the story I got, you never really know for sure, but sure. when you buy a car, uh, the story I got was this one used to run around in Rosetown, Saskatchewan, and then it disappeared, and it ended up in a Quonset or a barn for about 20 years, and it was separated from its frame and just tucked away, and the fella that I bought it from, he had purchased it, reassembled the car, and kind of fluffed it up and sold it and wow I, I just kind of finished it
0: yeah well that's a pretty good story i mean that's cool so it's a it's a saskatchewan car that's yeah. even neater right because yeah. Yeah. you'd expect something like that with you know a body that nice to come out of the state somewhere you know
1: yeah arizona some of the really really nice cars are in definitely a drier climate for sure yeah right uh but yeah i i have to kind of believe the whole story about being in a barn being as it does have its original floors original trunk that that kind of rockers all that stuff yeah it's not common for sure
0: no kidding no kidding that's pretty sweet so this is just one of uh many cars you've owned over the yeah (laughs) your history
1: i've had a few cars uh i used to you know i i ran around with that monte carlo in the summer for twenty years, and what I would do in the winter time, I would buy, a, I would purchase a car. Back then, you could do that. You could purchase a car, and uh, fluff it up, drive it for the winter, and then sell it in the spring. And then I would drive my hot rod all spring long. And uh, I did that for a long time, and I uh, ended up with a lot of different cars. Uh, I also, well, in this garage here, I've built several. Uh, built the the Firebird, of yep. course. Yeah and uh and one day the wife she decided she wanted a car so we uh we found her a 68 Skylark convertible uh built that in here as well uh that one was a lot of fun too that's pretty cool yeah it, that was my first hand at custom stuff uh shaved door handles and uh you know shaved trim pieces and uh yeah, suspension mods and little, little things like that was the first time I really got into that was on that Skylark. And that was a you know good learning experience.
0: So what, what kind of shape did that show up in that Skylark?
1: Was it? it oh, it was terrible. Oh, really? <laughs> <coughs> Originally, <laughs> that car was from BC and it was basically rotten from the door handles down. <laughs> it's kind of a fun, funny story. I phoned the car on Kijiji one morning before I went to work and I showed the wife, I said, you know, there's this nice little Skylark. Of course the pictures look nice. Sure. Yeah. And it wasn't far from where we live here. And, uh, I said, you know, we should go look at this car. And I got tied up at work and she had phoned me and she said, well, we we're going to go look at this car. And I said, well, why don't you scoot over there? It's only a few blocks away. You have a look at the car. See what you think. Uh, you know, it's going to be for you. So you might as well see it first. And she did that, and she phoned me up, and she says, well, I really like the car, but I don't know what to say. I really, you know, you're not here. I don't know how to make this decision. And I said, you know what? It's, it's not a lot of money. I think it was $3,000 or something. Yeah. Something in that neighborhood. Not a lot, sure. And if you like it, just just buy it. Just buy it and bring it home, and I'll, <laughs> I'll see it later. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and then I got home from work, and I walked in the garage, and it was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, she was so excited uh she was just so happy to have that car that's cool as rough as it was it had no seats no it was a convertible the top was destroyed uh it needed everything oh god floors trunk, the whole needed oh my gosh it It, needed everything. did you
0: take the body right off the frame for that
1: no i didn't okay uh i just started well we kind of you know made a drivable for the summer yeah uh i had a had to do, you know, the cooling system, the rad was bad, the carb was bad, the brakes were bad. I had to go through all that and we threw a set of tires on it, so made it safe. Yeah. And then we drove it around that summer uh, on you know, nice days because we had no top. <laughs> and uh, anyway, I basically decided well, when the winter's here, I'm going to lock myself down in the garage and just cut away at this thing. And I pulled out the just absolute... I I probably shaved 500 pounds off that car (laughs) in body (laughs) fill. Oh, my God. It was terrible. I've never seen a car like that. Uh,
0: You filled your your garbage bin outside, basically. I
1: did, yeah. Uh, It was three and four inches thick in some places. No. Yeah, I just ended up cutting it all off. And, of course, the Buick's... At that time, they really didn't have a lot of body panels you could buy. No, no. I had to hand fab most of that car. Wow. And the sad thing about the whole deal was I got finished with the car. And that was the reason partly why I did so much custom stuff to it because you couldn't buy the trim pieces. You couldn't buy even the door handles Uh, and a lot of the body panels. You couldn't buy that. So I kind of did my own little custom touches just to get us around all that stuff, and then uh, you know that spring we got driving the car, all the bodywork's done, <laughs> the interior's now done, the top is now done. It's a fairly presentable car. It hadn't been painted, but it is, it's far more presentable. Yeah. And the wife told me that she no longer liked the car. Oh no. <laughs> so. Oh no. <laughs> Yeah, so then the car went up for sale. I was I was I'm still a little bad about that. One. I, I it was every day and all winter long. And I was quite happy with the way the car turned out, but she wasn't. And uh yeah, we ended up selling the car. It actually sold pretty quick and we ended up buying the Chevelle. Yeah. In in place of it. So yeah, it was uh it it turned out okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, in the end it was all right, but I I can understand what you're what you mean about putting all that work in. And you know, I that's a that's I give you full credit, full Mark scary, because you are you're in the automotive field as a day job. Yeah. And then you'd come home and you'd pound on this thing all night.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like
0: that's a lot of that's a lot of cars in one day, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah, the the new stuff isn't quite as fun to work on. So when you come home and you can play around with an old car, it it's uh it kind of relaxes you a little bit. Okay, so it's different for you. Yeah, You've, it's, it's not different.
0: It's not the same category in your head, basically, is what that's you're saying. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: So when I get an old car through the shop, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> like when you bring your car to our shop. <laughs> yeah. Jay, yeah. I enjoy working on that stuff. Uh, that's like that's as as much of a rest for me as anything. Really? It's Just a, really a pleasure.
0: Well, here's the shameless plug then. Looking for a wheel alignment on an older vehicle, Gary is the guy, and you go to J and L Frame and Alignment and see Shane and Gary and it's you know while we're talking about it, that's the thing. There aren't that many places left you can take an old car to. Yeah, there's so you guys are like a heaven because
1: yeah, we get paid by the hour. A lot of shops now are you know flat rate, and they're not always that interested on working on the older stuff. Sometimes it's a little more time consuming and you have to take care uh you're working on stuff that's it's somebody's baby yeah so you got to take care and uh sometimes it takes a little longer uh but i enjoy it i enjoy it and a lot of guys well a lot a lot of the newer techs they're not trained on they're not well versed on the older stuff
0: i was going to ask you that yeah yeah what what's the you know if you don't mind it's going to be a little bit of technical jargon but what is the difference in doing an alignment on my car versus a new one? You know, walk me through what the difference is, really.
1: Oh, gosh. I mean, I know uh, there's, there's a
0: lot of steps in there. I know the the back end, for example, it's, a, it's an axle, solid axle, so there's nothing really to do there, right?
1: Yeah, whereas a lot of the newer cars now, it's all independent front and rear suspension. Right. Uh, and you're dealing with uh, struts instead of coil springs. And right down to the tie rods and the ball joints and everything is different. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot more. Ju- well, there's a fair bit of adjustability on the newer cars today. However, they also have a lot of electronics today that need to be reset when you do a wheel alignment. Mm-hmm. Uh, lane departure. Uh, lane yeah. keep assist, that stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all this radar systems and cameras have to be recalibrated when you do an alignment now. So it. It's, uh, fairly involved. Wow. Uh, and, and, there's a lot of, you know, as far as the adjustments go, there's a lot of cams, eccentrics, where on the older cars, it's a lot of shims. Okay. And, and it's, I just enjoy it far better. Yeah. 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 A lot more fun. A lot, uh, just, uh, it's just my passion. That's Working cool. On, yeah.
0: That's cool. Because, you know, I think it. Everybody's got a passion. I think everybody can figure out what they, you know, what they're really into. You've obviously made, you know, your, your passion into your career. And like you said, there's some things that are less fun to do and more things, some things that are more fun to do, but, um, to, to be able to work all day on cars and then work all, you know, all night on a car and, you know, and, and have this Chevelle looking like you do, it really, truly is your thing. That's amazing. Cause there, are, there are plenty of guys that you know are car guys. I, I, you know, I call, my, call myself a car guy, but I, I don't think I could work on it all day. I'd probably get so friggin' mad at it. I'd want to, <laughs> you know, drive it out the door, you know, something like that. So that's pretty cool. You can do it all the time. Well,
1: thanks, Jay. It's, it's I, I enjoy it. It's just uh, it, something I've just always enjoyed doing. Being close to this old stuff and and turning a wrench on it. Uh, it just makes me feel good and it really makes me feel good when like people like yourself bring a beautiful older classic vehicle to my shop and I get to work on it and then when I'm done I get to go for a little test drive. <laughs> That's awesome <laughs> yeah, I, that is cool. I've had the opportunity to drive some of the most beautiful cars I've and I could ever dream of. Uh, the neatest stuff ever. Yeah uh, huge horsepower cars. Uh, blower cars back half cars pro street stuff uh you know everything you can imagine and and the cool classics 40s 50s 60s anything you can imagine yeah uh some of the neatest stuff I had the opportunity to drive and of course I I don't go far and I certainly don't go fast it's not mine <laughs> yeah. uh, but it's just a neat experience to be behind the wheel of all these different cars. I really enjoy it.
0: So have you done, uh, you know, work in the automotive industry? I mean, we call you a, a technician now, right? Is that yep. what your title is, I guess, I, right? I guess, yeah. Have you done that for a long time? Has that been forever?
1: Uh No. No? No, I, I was in a lot of different trades. I always knew I wanted to be in the automotive industry, uh, but... Probably the one trade I was in the longest other than this trade was uh, I was in the water treatment business for a long time. Oh, neat. Right from the time I was about, I think I was hired at 13 years old and I was in that industry up until about uh, 15, 18 years ago. I can't remember Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And then it's been automotive ever since. But yeah, that was that was a neat experience as well. I got to, uh, you know, I learned household wiring and then carpentry and plumbing, lots of plumbing. Okay. Uh, I learned all that stuff, so it was it was a neat experience. But after you know several years of that, I got tired of it, and I knew cars were my thing. I was actually still working on cars on the side while I was in that business. Oh really? Okay. You know, and it was kind of an escape for me. Uh, and yeah, and I get to, you know, all day I get to work on, you know, people's cars and like they say, if you can, you know, find something that you like to do, it's not really a job.
0: No. You know? So and, did, so were you, were you were, you were an adult and did you go back to school to become a tech? Is that how I it worked? I
1: took a lot of courses. Yeah. Uh, I took, oh, every alignment course they can throw at me. I think I've had six of them now. Cool uh I was in the tire business for a long time there's several courses I took there and of course uh, uh suspension and steering courses and all those kind of things kind of go with it and brake courses all that stuff
0: that's pretty sweet
1: yeah learned how to do all that stuff properly been doing it a long time but, <laughs> but then you learn how to do it properly and measure run out on brakes and and all the you know anybody can do a set of brake pads and shoes in their driveway. But then you learn how to do it properly. It's totally different. So now you got to integrate that to your daily routine because, of course, you're working on other people's stuff.
0: Yeah. Would you call... Okay, I'm curious how you uh, categorize yourself, Gary. Would you call yourself uh, a perfectionist when it comes to stuff? You seem like a very detail-oriented guy. I've seen under the hood of this Chevelle and, and it is spotless and and you uh certainly have a lot of care
1: well thank you jay i i don't know that i'd call myself a perfectionist i i like the little details for sure yeah i think details are important uh yeah i i really like seeing those details yeah
0: that's that's pretty sweet so how how long how long have you been at jnl now
1: uh i think it's well, it's eight years for sure. This oh, might wow. be going on nine now. Wow.
0: Okay. So yeah. it's a while.
1: And I was about six years in another shop.
0: Yep. Uh, Doing this kind of thing.
1: Yeah. So a lot of the similar stuff and uh, and a lot of tire stuff. hmm
0: What has been the most? Uh, what's been the most challenging since you're you know like you're you focus a lot on suspension stuff, right? That's yep. a big part of what you do, yeah. right? Doing alignments. Suspension modifications and changes and repairs and stuff like that. Right. And I mean, and are you part of the crew that works on frame stuff, frame straightening and things like that at Jerry's?
1: I don't do a lot. Okay. I help, I help when I'm asked to, Yeah, but really not my forte. It's, it's a whole different animal. Yeah. Uh, I can, I can read the machine, the actual frame diagnostic equipment we use. It's a laser, uh, machine that, uh, you know measures measures frames and whatnot and i know how to read that that uh stuff but as far as how to make it correct that's a whole different animal i've watched <laughs> watched them do it for a number of years now and it's interesting uh nowadays it frame the frame business has really changed it used to be you could be on the older cars you can do pulls and then it then it gets the newer vehicles you could do sections where the frames were actually sectioned at the factory and nowadays you got the littlest you know a uh, bit of damage on a frame and it's a whole frame really You're basically doing a whole swap on the newer stuff that's kind of what it's turned into
0: really yeah and even unibody cars yeah like that means we're, ah. we're swapping everything
1: yeah, unibody stuff. It's it's tricky. Again, you got to pull the engines and the transmissions to do the rails properly because they're all welded and glued to the the structure. You know, they're part of the structure of the car. Sure, it's fairly involved process, and you don't really see that happen on a lot of the older unibody cars anymore. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. it's got to be a brand new vehicle f- for them to warrant the work yeah it's just so expensive that's right yeah labor intensive for sure
0: wow so with you with with the stuff you're doing daily you know what's uh give me an example of some of the ease like is there a car that comes to mind that you go well this is one of the easiest cars to do an alignment and some work on
1: uh oh gosh uh the easiest vehicle newer vehicle ah newer older whatever Probably the easiest vehicle to align today, I'd have to say, is the Dodge Rams. Really, Dodge Ram trucks. Believe it or not, they uh, you can dial them in so very close, and 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 they've the this the eccentrics on them, they're just beautiful to align. Really? Yeah, I'm a Chevy guy, and I certainly love aligning a Dodge Ram truck. (laughs) They're just so nice to do.
0: What ends up being the hardest thing to do?
1: Oh gosh! Uh, anything that's uh, European. I was uh, I was gonna
0: ask if, like, say, something like a, a or a, a Land Rover that's got air ride in it. Does that yeah, get some of those are tricky. really complicated?
1: For sure, BMWs, Mercedes, uh, that kind of a mm-hmm. thing. Flavor, yeah, are very difficult to do it's very hard they've got lots of adjustment in the cars but very very hard to get to and you almost need special tools just to reach those eccentrics because there's so many things in the way there's so many things going on <laughs> very very I, I hate to say this but very over engineered I guess is the word hey
0: I know exactly what you're talking about and I got a good story that goes with that because uh, not I don't want to rag on on Volkswagen because I think VWs are pretty cool cars too. But my parents had a Volkswagen Golf more recently, like an '05, something like that. And my mom noticed one day that the, pa- the driver or you open the, the passenger door and the light isn't coming on the dome light. Oh, okay. Right? It's just, oh, but you open any of the other doors and it's working. Well, that's weird. Yeah. And you think, okay, well, it's probably that button, you know, like the button in the, in your frame of the door somewhere or the door f- that you know where the latch is there's a little you know spring-loaded button that was way too easy for volkswagen they thought let's change this they integrated the switch into the locking mechanism inside the door oh wow and the problem is it's part of the locking mechanism it's <laughs> not separate pieces it's all one thing yeah. so first off if you want to get the light to work with that door again, the part, and- the part is like $400. Oh wow. To get to it, door panel, there's a metal panel inside the plastic door panel. Yeah. Window comes out, you rip all the guts out of the door to change that. One piece. Piece. <laughs>
1: <laughs> not yeah, that sounds very familiar.
0: Not an, not an $18 spring loaded. Right contact switch that's in the door frame like there have been since forever that was just very very complex yeah very complex and and for what you know like why why make that so hard why make it so difficult why I don't know the buttons work in every other vehicle yeah right we can open just probably any just about any door on the block and there's a little spring-loaded button in there yeah very simple i don't know they're all doing it so why change it
1: <laughs> anyways yeah i, I agree I, I see a lot of that in, you know in volkswagen as well and like i say you almost need a new tool toolbox to to fix those cars and it's great if you're if that's what you do uh you've already got all the torques and inverted torques and reverse torques and everything's <laughs> everything's uh torques on those cars the axle nuts uh, on those are torqued to something like 300 and some foot pounds and they're all a torques head on them what and and, and it's very yeah it's tricky how do you get that up. off yeah it, you tough. do
0: chin-ups on the on the breaker bar to get them <laughs> yeah. off or what
1: <laughs> sometimes yeah <laughs> yeah some of them are are difficult for sure it's just something i'm not used to probably to the guys that are used to doing that stuff it's it's a piece of cake for them but and they've got the tools to do it, but I, yeah, I don't see enough of them. And when I do see one, it's just a little more difficult.
0: No kidding. Yeah. Like that's a complicated car to work on. Yeah. Yeah. No for doubt. For sure. Um, so, you know, being a, a former Dragons member, had this in the Dragons show? Has this Chevelle made it in?
1: This one hasn't been the car previous to it, my, my Firebird was. It was actually on the poster in 09. Oh, uh, that was your car. Yeah, along with uh, Bruno Kaniski's uh Corvair. They were both fresh cars in that, that year, oh nine, and they appeared on the poster.
0: That's cool.
1: Yeah, it's uh yeah, it's kind of neat to have your car on t-shirts and coffee mugs and and <laughs> uh dash plaques and that sort of thing. But yeah, that was uh that was fun building that one.
0: You know, I, uh, I've started trying to collect as many dragons posters I have as I can get my hands on and I'm kind of starting to run them around the upper, you know, edge of my garage and trying to, trying to put a collection together. But, you know, I grew up going to that show as a kid, you know, every year and that, you know, it's kind of funny. I liked, I liked some of the weirdest stuff, you know, I liked the, you know, the big flowy pontoon fenders of the 20s and 30s and there used to be more of that stuff at dragons you yeah. know it's yeah. interesting how the the demographics are changing yeah you times know change times are changing right yeah. i wonder though where all these cars are ending up and what i mean is who out there now today you know says to themselves i really want uh you know 1925 chrysler yeah who says that anymore yeah but there are definitely some out there that have been kept and restored and have been a part of car shows maybe 20 years ago, what's happening with those cars? You know, yeah. I, I wonder because now it's stuff like what we're sitting beside, right? Like yeah. this is in its, if you call it, it's prime, right? Like, yeah, muscle cars were certainly the thing when they came out when you were a little kid Yeah, and now in the sort of the car show world, this is the big focus.
1: Yeah. They're kind the, of, uh, the sixties thing, the big, thing though, the big collectible item. But, yeah, I still I still have an appreciation for all those and, and all the stuff you're talking about. And, yeah, I don't know where they've all gone, but it used to be all customs and hot rods back in the day. Yeah, sure. And, yeah, that sort of changed uh, with the times. And, uh, yeah, the collector car, the collectors, I think, dictate a lot of what people are doing. Yeah. And where the direction goes. Whatever they're collecting is what everybody wants and that ends up on the showroom floor at the dragon's car show
0: (laughs) yeah it does doesn't it yeah do you have you ever get a chance do you ever get a chance to work on some really old stuff at the shop does that ever happen to you oh yeah like stuff that rolls in from the 30s and 40s and 50s absolutely Really?
1: really yeah it's not often but yeah there's some neat stuff there's some incredible cars uh i couldn't even begin to list some of the the wild cars that have been through the door. There.
0: How, how do you know? You know, I mean, I, I mean, here's me knowing really nothing about how alignments are done. I've kind of watched you up in the shop from a distance, kind of here and there, and strapping the the things onto the wheels, yeah. and you know, and it's you, it's a computer system now, right? But yeah. it wasn't always that way.
1: Yeah, right? guys used to uh, back in the day, they used to use uh, strings and and uh bubble gauges and we actually still have in the shop a bubble gauge that attaches to the wheel and it would give you your camber and caster and all those things and then do your toe with a measuring tape
0: really yeah is that what you have to do still with some some stuff that comes in that say handmade is that how how do you Uh, how do you figure that stuff out
1: if i can get the camera heads on the wheels I can use the computerized machine, and that machine, that Hunter machine, that it's all Hunter equipment, and that has—I've never been—I've, like I say I've had a lot of unique cars through the door, yeah, and it's never stumped me for specs. Uh, what it, it has every spec you can imagine in that machine, and if I ever do run across something that this where the spec is not in there. I can uh, contact Hunter online and they would provide me those specs immediately. Wow. It's, it's pretty cool. So, I
0: mean, for anybody who doesn't really know what we're talking about, basically you get a car that rolls into your shop up onto the hoist. You punch in my car, 1969 Buick Electra. Yeah. It has the alignment specs already programmed in. That's right. It knows what it should be set up to. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. And that goes back... For decades before my car was even built. Yeah, it sure does. So you can, st- you can stuff can roll in from the 30s and you probably have an alignment yeah, spec. Yeah,
1: I, I can't think of any 30s cars right off the top that weren't already hot rods. Mm, okay. You know, like uh, Model As and stuff like that. Right. But... Uh, yeah, most of those are, you know, I'm not getting anything with wooden spokes through the doors. <laughs> uh, I'll be honest. But
0: there must be some 40s and 50s stuff that is original yeah. cars, right? Yeah, that... and,
1: and we're getting those for sure. And yeah, the specs are in there. That's Oddly crazy. Enough, uh, you you can name a car and it'll be in there. Well, oh, that's pretty wild. Incredible. It, it makes my job easy, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> Doesn't it ever? That's pretty cool. Um, you know, there's... Uh, you're 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 doing this sort of alignment stuff are you also the guy ripping suspension stuff apart in the shop too or are you just the the final guy who's doing alignments
1: uh no i'm doing brakes and suspension and steering so you're
0: pulling it all apart and yeah, replacing parts and all kinds of stuff
1: and uh, i don't get it we have a journeyman guy there that does a lot of things like timing belts on the newer cars mm, yep. and specific things like that uh there's and there's some wiring uh you know electron like these new cars are incredibly complicated when it comes to electronics Mm -hmm. and some of that really deep crazy hard to diagnose stuff uh i let him take care of that (laughs) uh and i kind of concentrate on on what i'm good at uh but we also have all shops you know all all the you know more popular shops will have uh software programs called identifix and ProDemand, and even if i'm tackling something that's real tricky like that i can go online and punch in that vehicle and it'll give me a process for diagnosing say really tricky uh electrical issues and it'll it'll tell me you know how many volts at at this wire on this terminal uh what the color the is on. yeah absolutely yeah it it's uh, i have been in that you know, pushed into that corner a few times and and been able to kind of flub my way through it (laughs) with the help of our, uh, you know, software programs that we have today in our shops.
0: Do you ever get to like do some cool customized work with suspension, stuff like that? Do you ever get somebody rolls in and wants something lowered? Uh, Yeah, we do a little
1: bit. We do a little bit of fab work in our shop as well. Uh, Yeah, there's a lot of neat. uh, I kind of, for the most part, I don't do a whole lot of fab stuff myself. Uh, we do have a guy that's really, really sharp at that stuff. Yeah. Uh, but uh, for diagnosing problems and setting up suspensions, a lot of people are going with coil over shocks now, and uh, setting you know, pinion angles and thrust angles, uh, ride heights, and, and then, uh, yeah, there's a lot of neat trickery that I had to learn and uh, that I that I do on a regular basis at the shop on uh, hot rods and and uh, different custom builds and
0: yeah I was gonna say that's the that's the stuff that's like not kind of written anywhere in a book that you, yeah like, knowledge you have to just gain with experience you've been doing it for such a long time now and plus you've been working on cars yourself for just your whole life so yeah, you know certainly. there's there's definitely gonna be things you know that's just not really written down anywhere how to achieve the you know a successful completion with all that you know everything
1: yeah that you just Knowing, have to know one thing that's really unique to our shop and, and it's a collision shop for the most part uh we get a lot of stuff sent from dealerships uh they can't figure out the alignment they can't you know other shops if they run into a problem it all comes to me and and i got a figure it out Uh, (laughs) it's a challenge sometimes that's cool when when the alignment guy across town has an issue with an alignment he can't get it so he's sending it over to us and and now i gotta figure it out and that kind of puts me on the spot i gotta figure this stuff out but there's a process and there's numbers you gotta and it's all numbers and uh just yeah looking at some of this stuff like physically looking at it you can't tell what's bent unless it's severe yeah. Or how much it's bent and which way it's bending. And unless you you, you use the equipment and, and uh, the charts and graphs and all the things that go along with trying to figure out. Uh, certainly, if you're doing SGI work, uh, they don't want you to replace the strut, the spindle, the lower control arm, the upper control arm, the inner and outer tie. They don't want you to replace all that stuff. They want you to attack the stuff that's actually bent. They want you to just replace and repair the damaged product. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you've got to figure out what it is, and if you've made a mistake and called the wrong part, you're in big trouble. So
0: <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Pretty big compliment though that all the other guys are sending their stuff. They can't figure out to you though, isn't that? Like, that yeah. Must...
1: Sometimes it's yeah, I, it, it's, it's tricky. It's
0: it's a pain in the butt. But I yeah. guess if you look at it from the other side of the, of the, of the bowl, the fishbowl, you know, that's, that's a pretty big feather in your cap that you're, you're the guy that they call in for that sort of thing, well, right?
1: Well, It, uh, it, it is. Sometimes I wish I wasn't the guy, in are honesty. I, sometimes I wish, geez, I don't want to know what's wrong here. I can just send this to the frame <laughs> shop and let them figure it out. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Some, th- that happens a lot. Uh, it happens at least once a month, sometimes more. Really? Yeah.
0: Crazy. Hey, I thought we'd switch gears for a second. Um, on your own, in your own personal collection. I mean, we got the Chevelle here. What's been your What's been your favorite all time car you've ever had? Do you have one?
1: I I have to say this thing. Is it? Yeah. It is. Yeah. Uh, I all the cars I've owned and built, I'd have to say at this point in my life that is my absolute favorite. Yeah. It's just a drive. Uh, driving these full frame, as you know, full frame GM cars. Mm-hmm. They ride and handle so nice. This one actually has not quite as nice as yours <laughs> as far as the big car, you know, the nice big car feel. Yeah. Uh, yours is king. This is, you know, down the road a bit. Uh, it, 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 uh, it handles and rides so nice, that full frame car. That's why I think I like the Chevelle so much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, the Camaros, the Firebirds, the, you know, I'm talking the first and second gen ones uh very nice cars i i've built a few of them but it's a little more stiffer ride uh it's just it's a different feeling is it and i've always grown to appreciate i think for having that monte carlo for 20 years yep i just really liked that car and i guess that's why i had it so long and i came to appreciate that nice cushy ride and that nice handling and uh yeah, well, nothing like a full frame car,
0: and I mean, this is, you know, <laughs> maybe for, the, for for what my Buick makes up in in the the real cushy ride, this makes up for in an horsepower and get out of the way juice. Because yeah. I mean, with what you've got in there, you know, um, would you share the story of the, the the
1: recent? Oh yes, my my shortcomings. Well, not yours,
0: <laughs> just the Chevelles. I mean, we were actually you and I were out at a show together, yeah. right? We drove all the way out to Keniston. Yeah and uh i think i was behind you or just maybe two cars behind
1: you and and my car was making some crazy noise yeah Yeah.
0: so we pulled over and kind of had you had to listen and wondering what's going on so share what happened what was the story
1: there yeah so i don't know where to start with that so yeah we we drove out to keniston at this point that engine had been in the car for five years uh it only had thirty four hundred miles on it but it's a gm crate engine and yeah, we drove out to Keniston, didn't miss a beat the whole, no. the whole trip. And I'd been into a lot of out-of-town trips with it and never had any issues. And then we we started the car to leave, there's this rattle in the motor. And of course, we're all parading out. There's several of us making our way out of that <laughs> yeah. big camp or that big uh, area we were in. And I thought, wow, that's a crazy noise. Is that my car? And I thought, I better pull over. So, yeah, I pulled over, and that's when you came over, and uh, Kelvin and some yeah. other folks came by. And, and yeah, there's a nice rattle on the left bank of uh, of that engine, 454HO. So, anyway, made the decision that, you know, I, I did have, I could have had the car trailer at home. Yeah. Uh, at this, you know, it, looking back on it, it wouldn't have mattered. No. But uh, I made the decision to just limp it home, And I got it home and diagnosed the thing. And here, yeah, it was hole number seven. Uh, Lifters were bad. And then I dug into it a little further. And here, the cam was actually destroyed. Oh, man. And those two lifters were destroyed on hole seven, both intake and exhaust. And it was all due to the fact that the engine was actually assembled incorrectly, right from brand new.
0: So it's got roller?
1: Yeah, it's got a roller camshaft in it. And there's a little device, it's called a dog bone, and it looks just like a dog bone, and it holds the lifter square to the camshaft. Right. And this one was actually, on that particular hole, it was flipped upside down. And it was running those two roller lifters about 15 degrees off center. Wow. And I'm just shocked that it lasted as long as it did. So Um, it was actually upside down, the whole... Yeah, that little device. It's just uh, it just keeps them square to the cam. Yeah, and it was flipped upside down, and it just running them crooked. Uh, So the
0: roller was still on rolling on top of the cam lobe, but not not square.
1: Yeah, just not straight. Not straight. Yeah, off about I think it was around fifteen degrees or so, and it just tore it up. uh, So,
0: So, can we assume then that like on the trip out there it was quiet and running fine? that they were still square to the cam and they, when we start, you started it up on the way home. Is that when they probably turned on you and no, created the knock? No, they
1: were, they were turned and skidding along the whole time. It right. just
0: happened to be that moment yeah, that it decided to make noise.
1: It, yeah. it uh, It's on these 454H rows, they have a non-adjustable valve train in them. So it's not like on your engine where you can actually turn down the, the nut on the rocker arm to tighten up this,
0: Actually, believe it or not, the Buick is not adjustable either. Oh, it is it. Oh. No, nope. that four thirty's got.
1: Oh, it's, uh, it's okay. Yeah,
0: same story as what you've got. Yep. Ah, yep. so
1: now if you get, if you get a decent amount of slack in those systems, it will start to make noise, and that's what happened here. Mm. It just, I think the only reason that car or that engine lived as long as it did, to that point, was because I have done so many oil changes in that car. In that five-year period, I had changed oil 12 times. Yeah, yeah. Spring and every spring and every fall. And last year, I only put 300 miles on that car. Yep. And I still changed oil before. I I always like to store it in fresh oil, just like I do my lawnmower. Yep. I just treat it that way. hmm And uh, I think just all those fresh oil changes kept it alive as long as it did. And it's just bizarre, but. Anyway, I also learned that uh, roller lifters take several thousand miles to actually break in. That was oh. something I didn't know at the time either. So that could have been a factor as well. Yeah.
0: It was just getting broken in at that point or around I, there.
1: Yeah. Well, in this case, you could actually see, I could show you the camshaft. There's nice big grooves in it. Really? And, and yeah, I just got to a point where it decided that, oh, there's enough clearance here. We're going to start rattling away. Yep. Yep. And it was one hole specifically that, or it was one valve specifically that was really loud. Now it was the exhaust side. It had, it had dug a deep groove in that cam lobe. Yep. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, unfortunately 3000 miles into it, no warranty. Oh. Uh, it took me about 15 hours to fix the whole thing. Oh man. 15 hours of labor and about, I haven't got all the bills yet, uh, I'm going to guess it's going to be around $1,000 dollars so. Yeah.
0: Good, good that you can do it yourself, though, I guess. right? I, I mean was lucky.
1: Yeah, I followed all GM's guidelines, as far as warranty goes. You have to, when you buy a crate engine, you can't just install it at home in your driveway. You need to uh, have a, either GM themselves or a reputable shop recognized by GM to install it. Oh, and do all its service work. And I followed all those guidelines. I actually, our shop is actually recognized by GM, our local dealership. And I bought the motor from that local dealership. I actually installed it at our shop. Uh, Yeah, and all the service work was, well, it was done by me. But uh, yeah, because it has over 3,000 miles on it, the warranty is long gone. Oh, no. Man, oh, man. I think it's, uh, I forget what it is now, three years. It's not a bad warranty, but three years disappears pretty fast in our old classic cars. We don't drive these in the wintertime. That's right. Especially in Canada, we don't drive these things uh, unless it's nice out, nice days, summertime uh so yeah that warranty goes by pretty quickly doesn't it yeah yeah i don't remember if it's 30,000 miles three years something like that anyway i i was well past that (laughs) oh that's
0: that's i mean and the whole nose of the car not quite everything had to come out but your yeah you know rad and everything all that had to come out right
1: absolutely yeah it was it's the last time i've done a cam swap was well i did a few of them in this garage here uh, the last one was, uh, in a car with no front clip on it. Very easy to do. Yeah. And the time before that was the engine was on an engine stand. Very easy to do. <laughs> yeah. And this time I'm, you know, I'm working over the fender and it was bent over. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. 15 hours bent over the, the front of the car. I, yeah, of course all the front of the engine had to come off. The only thing I had to, I was a little worried I'd have to pull the girl out of the car, but I was lucky uh, the valence in between the bumper and the girl had to get loosened and dropped down a little bit, and we could sneak it through, yeah, that little quarter inch I needed.
0: God, that's lucky, hey,
1: yeah, wow, yeah, so I'm really happy that whole fiasco's behind me. That took about a month out of my my summer, yeah, uh, but you know what, speaking of this summer, man, did we have a fantastic season? I know it was an absolutely just a phenomenal. This was the most fun, even with my breakdown and losing a month of sea time in the Chevelle. This was the most fantastic season I can ever remember in Saskatoon for for car events. Yeah,
0: totally. And yeah. you know what? It I'm trying to think of a time that we got rained out this summer, and I don't think we did. Yeah. You know, like the weather cooperated. It was a pretty dry summer. Let's be honest. You know, yeah. I mean, there's lots of lots of people and in, in crop producers that wish it had rained, but you yeah. know, for for what we do. It was dry and...
1: For the car community. the car community, because
0: most of us aren't going to drive in the rain.
1: No, that's right.
0: I mean, if Kelvin's listening right now, he'd wonder what's wrong with us. But, you know, <laughs> the rest of us, the rest of us, you know, like I'm the same way. And yeah, my car isn't made of sugar, but on the other hand, it's 19 feet long. And it takes an awfully long time to clean after you get Absolutely. it dirty. <laughs> but, you know... Most of these things we don't we don't want to drive them in that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah, and we had a nice. And, but summer But we had for a that. nice summer,
1: man. And yeah. The the amount of pop up events that we had and attended, and we had so much fun. I made so many good friends. Yep. Uh, I spent more time with you this summer, <laughs> which was great. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I made a lot of, you know, new friends, and we had so much fun. It was just so it was the best ever.
0: Totally. So, yeah. I think I think after a year, you know, we're we're quite a ways into COVID now and we're not through it yet, but you know, it's getting there. Um, but you know, after the first summer of COVID where there was a lot canceled, right? Yeah. We kind of got things rolling by the end, but we missed a lot of, yeah. of 2020 summer. We did. I think everybody, especially after the winter between 2021, you know, last winter sucked. Yeah. Christmas was with nobody. We were all so excited to be a part of that again.
1: Yeah, and I. To get out.
0: Yeah, and I have a. I have to. Maybe it's just the rom, you know, the romantic part of me thinking in this way, but I sort of kind of dream that that's you know, in the fifties on Eighth Street or the sixties on Eighth Street. That's probably what it was actually like. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Just showing up on Friday and Saturday nights at the mall or at A and W or at Dairy Queen and hanging out with people, you know, and not formal, just always there and yeah having fun you know Yeah,
1: absolutely there there wasn't much else to do there was um, (laughs) two channels on tv and and uh yeah everybody wanted to be out in their cars and having fun and yeah boy what a fantastic deal we had and you know like you say covid was probably had a lot to do with Mm -hmm. that and and i think uh we we've been well informed this year, Rochelle, with her posts on Facebook, and yourself with yeah, uh, well, car, car show, and I and I want to say thank you for your your car show corner post. Oh, because thanks to inform you know keep that's doing a service. You're not only providing entertainment to the car community, but you're uh, you're also providing a service by keeping us all informed. And I want to say thank you. for Oh that.
0: well, I I appreciate that. Thanks. I mean, I owe the big thank you to to, to Rochelle too, though, because she's always the one cobbling everything together i just get to help her out with it so she you know. did a great job oh, and amazing uh,
1: and you followed up with your car show post thanks. and i appreciate it all yeah
0: thanks and it, it, it you know even though we had uh, a new show added this year right we had friday night uh, yeah. you know on on taylor i you know it's preston i guess at uh, friday night classic is what i'm trying to yeah. say right yeah our new show at uh the market mall
1: Right. Well, yeah. there's
0: plans next year to make that every weekend.
1: That's going to be awesome. Every yeah. Friday night. Think. Yeah. You know and they had so much. Uh, they had so much participation with yeah. that. And then also the uh, the Sunday the Sunday morning uh, cars and coffee. That's deal. right. That's another right. New one. Uh, another one was the uh, uh, the Legion sip sip and shine deal. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and those uh, happened several times, right? You yeah. Know? A bunch. Uh,
1: what else was there? there? There was several. You know, and it, it, we didn't have the downtown car show. A lot of people were upset about that. Yep. We didn't have the Dragons car show yep. in the spring. A lot of people missed that. But there were so many things that happened to make up for all. The of, stuff that was missed.
0: Yeah, that's right. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And I actually think it kind of brought, you know, that that getting together on a more regular basis And and it makes it, it makes it, um, how do I put it? You know, when, when a a car event only happens, say once a summer and you, you got to miss it, say, you know, you're going to the lake or you got a family reunion or a wedding or what other else commitment you got, right? You're like, ah, you know, I, I wanted to go to that car show so bad and either it didn't happen this year or, or, you know, you were stuck at something, but when there's just going to be something every Friday and every Sunday morning like that, you know, if, if I got to miss this weekend, I'll be back next weekend, you know, yeah. and it was just come and go, man. It was great. I loved it. Yeah, I absolutely loved it. I'm really hoping that we've got dragons for this next coming year, 2022. Talking to
1: the fellows, they are planning. Yep. They are planning to, uh, you know, there is plans in place to, uh, make something work. Uh, they don't know what the regulations and rules are going to be at that point, but, they're they've they've got their ear close to the ground and yeah they're working on it i can tell you that much yeah
0: yeah there is something uh special i don't know how to describe it maybe it's just because i've been going to that show for so long and it was a thing i did as a kid but you know it's uh you see the real special stuff yeah at the dragon's show yeah you know i mean there's all the stuff that you know the stuff we drive around but but you never really get to see because nobody the the trailer queens if we want to call them that you know those yeah. cars that are so well done that they don't really hit the road you don't see those driving around on a Saturday night no. on on Eighth Street right that's right it's, it's those real special ones that's the chance to see that sort of our own little local Barrett Jackson or SEMA if you want to call Absolutely, it that you know
1: yeah they've they've been lucky enough to get uh, Riddler Award winners here yeah. And uh, Boyd Coddington cars and George uh, George Barris cars. I was there for that
0: one, yeah. Yeah. When George was there, yeah.
1: There was a lot of super high end, uh, really world class stuff has showed up at that show for many years. Yeah, every year there's something super special. Uh, yeah, and I I really missed it. Yeah, me too.
0: What I loved about being a part of it. Uh, you know, I mean, we all get, we get together, like we were saying this summer, we're all hanging out as, as a big community in the car community in Saskatoon, you know, different clubs going to different events and everybody's kind of mingling around. One of the cool things I think happens at dragons, it doesn't really happen anywhere else is that we get the public there. So of course all us car guys and car car girls are, are together, you know, Yep. But then you get people coming in just as spectators, yeah, and uh, talking to the people at the dragons. Mm-hmm. You're know, like, I, 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 got to be in the last dragons before COVID, 2019, uh-huh. and uh, you know my old car. I mean, it's, I love it, but it's certainly nothing compared to some of the stuff that was there. But well, it your car so, is pretty. Dick. Oh, it, it, sure. <laughs> you're, I'll, I'll take the compliment. But here's the thing. I'd just love talking to the people who would come up and, and they'd say, oh, my grandpa had one of these and yeah. they'd have, they'd have a thousand stories about it, you know? Yeah. And that happened over and over and over and over. And that was the best part is, you know, we all get to sort of hang out in in the car community, we get to know each other and we know our cars and you get to talk and it's cool. But, but when you go to a show like that, yeah, you really get to interact with people. And it's not that I need to show my car off. It's that. I'm just here with it. And the people that come with the stories and, and the comments and, the you know, can relate, they can relate.
1: Yeah, absolutely. They can relate. And, and yeah, that's, that's a neat thing when people see your car and they're coming up to you and they've got neat stories about a car like it that they've had. Yeah. And it reminds them of, and that's what these things are so special about. There's that human connection to them. Yes. That makes the whole car thing, uh, a great deal
0: yeah it's it's not just the motor transportation yeah. you know it's not just i mean this is how i see it. it's not just a to b and even if the vehicle was an a to b car in the in you know when they owned it it becomes uh a, a special memory later on yeah right you know now these cars are 50 ish whatever years old uh around that anyways and that's the thing. It was just a big, boring, old Buick. But now it's a trip down memory lane.
1: Absolutely.
0: You know? Yeah. Now there's this connection that that people remember. And, you know, I, I brought a whole bunch of stuff to the Dragon set that, that year and set up by an old turntable that I portable one that I found at, I don't know, value village about the same era as the car. era Correct. Correct stuff. And I kind of got all the, you know, records from 1969, cool you know, mamas and the papas and just what was the guess who and all the stuff that was playing on the radio back then. Awesome. You know, and I plugged it in and I just threw records on it. We just played them. (laughs) I think it was hilarious watching grandparents, especially come with their kids and showing them what it, what it even was yeah kids haven't ever seen a record player you know (laughs) that's right and your grandpa had a car just like this and i remember that record down there we had that record you know like it was (laughs) ah that's that's the coolest part i think about dragons and that's that's why i'm really hoping it happens because you get that part of the experience yeah you know so
1: that that is cool that is super cool
0: but you're totally right it is a it's a human connection thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's kind of why I'm doing this podcast. Yeah. That's what it all comes down to. Well, I call it bald tires because when you make great memories, you make bald tires. That's my that's saying, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> and that's what we get to talk about in this sort of thing is just the, you know, that everybody's got a story, you know? Yeah. Everybody's got a car story. Even if they're not car people, they've got car stories.
1: Absolutely. And it's
0: just part of our culture and our life here, right? So.
1: Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. Well, you you got to, you love these cars. And, and it, because it's because the large connection it has with all the people.
0: Yep. Yeah, totally. Well, Gary, this has been a blast having you on.
1: Well, thank you very much. Yeah. Jay. I've really, I've enjoyed myself. This is a great conversation we're having and had a lot of fun doing it. Glad you had me on here.
0: Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for joining me and taking the leap. Uh, if you want to see more of what Gary does, Gary, the gear, YouTube. You got some pretty cool vi- videos there. You know. <laughs> Car shows we've been together too, but also you did a cool co- comparison video, right? Was it Chevelle versus... What,
1: what was that comparison? Uh, Chevelle versus uh, uh, Malibu, Malibu or something. Right? Yeah. yeah,
0: something like you did that kind of walk through the differences of stuff and over the years. So go check out Gary's Facebook, uh, or pardon me, YouTube channel. And otherwise, thanks for joining us on Bald Tires. We'll catch you next time because when you make great memories, you make bald tires.